Love Talk Radio. Greetings, greetings, greetings. It's another edition of Revolutionary Foods. All your food is the recipe. Come on in, come on in, come on in.
indeed the legacy, the culture, the traditions of our stories, our sacred stories, www.OurSacredStories.com. All is truly and indeed a blessing if you can see beyond the veil. I am always humble, honored, appreciative, and most certainly grateful, beloved, for any time that spirit and the ancestors and time and my own natural humanity allows me to be forward with you here at high noon U.S. Central Standard Time, here on Blog Talk Radio, YouTube Live, StreamYard, Facebook, Instagram, etc., etc. Indeed, where you can see me and experience me now in the internet stratosphere and, and of course, in the world, indeed, in the world. This is a show that's listened to, that's participated by people who exist on almost every continent uh, in, in the known human global presence, if you will. But, but also, please, I'm not online all day. And, and my regulars would have you to know that I would not be able to do movies. I would not be able to do TV. I would not be able to do documentaries. I would not be able to initiate people. I would not be able to do two-hour, three-hour complex readings and consultations daily if I was indeed on social media all day. Don't, don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype. And I appreciate that because that's a great segue into something else that I wanted to talk about today. And that is the idea that voodoo, hoodoo, obia, root work, Akan, Fan, Ifa, Afa, that somehow it happens online. And understand, this is all an illusion. This is all an illusion. No matter how real it is, no matter how real my words, no matter how real my energy, no matter how real your connection to the material, no matter how real and authentic the material is that we might discuss and share in this space. TV, camera, pictures are just a snapshot of a moment or or just a brief look into something. Movies help it to last a little bit longer. (laughs) Documentaries, TV shows, podcasts help it to last a little bit longer. But, but, But be not fooled. You're only seeing a glimpse into who I am. You're only seeing a glimpse into the voodoo. And so I'm indeed, I would say, 5% of my time is actually online. I don't have the time (laughs) that many of you have to tweet and post and tweet and Instagram. And I'm not tech savvy, so I'm really not hip on, I know they're out there, but I don't know a whole lot about automizers that can post for me and keep my Twitter rolling. I, I, I just don't. So what you see is me, what you see is, uh, is me is organic. And, and indeed, there are only 24 hours in a day, but beloved, oh, please know that I am not online all day. There are many people right here in this room, in this chat, who will tell you that. My basic, complete, most common divination is two hours, three hours long. And so I'm not, oh, I wish I did have the time to dedicate more 
to update my website to being online to get my you know social media stuff uh together the work goes on in the streets the work goes on in the ground the work goes on in our lives the work goes on out here every day in our demonstration that's where the work is and so look i have a certain protocol most people don't have a problem with my protocol i do almost all my communication by email there's no way i can keep up with everybody in the volume of information and the volume of communication that comes through um particularly when you're being broadcast on television thank you again uh, pbs thank you again travel channel i'm truly grateful for the opportunity and so the volume of communications that come in every day is overwhelming. And that's why I need help. That's why I need assistance. That's why I put out a call to qualified individuals to sort of be present and to step up and to help me to fulfill uh, certain roles as it relates to growing and expanding this voodoo ministry. And indeed, it is a ministry. It's more than just psychic reading. It's more than just fortune-telling. With all due respect, and and this is a friendly plug for my city, you can get fortune-telling in Jackson Square. You can get psychic reading in many, you know, popular uh, tourist shops and and jewelry shops and, you know, novelty shops in the French Quarter. That's not what you're getting here. You're getting ATR, and, and my godchildren understand that best because I teach it in French, Spanish, English, Airway, Igbo, Yoruba, Akan. I teach it culturally from Panama, from Brazil, from Puerto Rico, from Nigeria, from Cameroon. So it's way more. It's so much more than just this podcast. It's so much more than my ability to be present. Um, I need help just to maintain my humanity to do a two-hour, three-hour show every day here in this format and then still keep my ministry going. Um, So I'm grateful for the audience. I'm grateful for the opportunity to teach and to share. And I often implore in this space that people ask questions, that people participate, that people be a part of the discussion because there is indeed so many other things that I could be doing. And I've also noted, and particularly by way of sites like Keen, Live Person, Psychic World, it's always urgent. It's always urgent. It's always urgent. And so they get your time and they get your five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And then you don't even leave a comment. You don't even leave a rating. And I make it a habit, particularly in psychic world, to ask that specifically. Because I'm doing an experiment. I'm doing my own little scientific <laughs> numerological experiment. And so I'm documenting that. So I make it my point every single time. Please do, beloved, leave a comment and rating. It helps me to grow. It helps you to share your experience with others. It helps the continued validation of what we do here. And validation is critical. 
another subject I wanted to speak to today, if you will, is validation. Now, a, a nice little conversation has begun to boil in Instagram about Cash App, PayPal, many of these other new apps that I know very little about other than what you can find in the Better Business Bureau, what you can find in the Google search in terms of reviews, you know, what you can find in the, in the scientific and the techie blogs about what's real and what's not real. And so I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it right now, again, live on, on air. There's no legitimate practitioners working with Cash App. Cash App, not even a, a legitimate application. And, and the reason Cash App is so popular, because I asked many, many, many of my Nigerian friends, why is Cash App so popular? Why is, uh, 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 what's the other app that they like to communicate? They'll meet you anywhere in social media, invite, and then invite you to uh, WhatsApp. And then the next thing is Cash App. There's no footprint there. There's no paper trail there. There's no proof there. And so someone who's doing legitimate business, someone who's running a legitimate ministry has a paper trail, has a footprint. And, and indeed, if there are problems, issues, blocks, complications, that within itself creates a footprint. And so that's why so many of your practitioners are switching up their names, switching up their identities, switching up their usernames. They got five different profiles with five different identities, 12 different profiles with 12 different identities. Do your homework. Listen, I'm not a shit talker. Do your homework. Do your homework on Divine Prince. Everywhere you find me, I'm Divine Prince. Everywhere you find me, I'm using my legal name, Ty Mecca. Everywhere you find me, I'm open. I'm unblocked. I'm available. I'm reachable. I don't understand you a practitioner, you a healer, you popular, you successful, and your profile locked down. And so you you have to, <laughs> you know, you got a gatekeeper, you know, on your IG, on your on your Twitter, to say what, to share what, to expose what. Now some of us know what, because it's in those moments when you fall off of being a spiritualist when you digress from being a tarot reader, when you digress from your higher-than-thou spiritual walk, that you don't want us to see that. Greetings, Mom. Peace and blessings, beloved. Thank you for being in the room. Thank you, Neophyte Bokor. All is a blessing. It's in those moments. So I'm consistent 24 hours a day. My mama tell you that. My sister tell you that. It's annoying to some people who know me personally, how consistent I am. I don't have a lot of downtime. I don't have a lot of social time. I don't have a divine prince that parties. I don't have a divine prince that, that kicks it. I enjoy humor. I have a very unique flavor for humor. I enjoy news. I enjoy entertainment. I enjoy music. But I don't attempt to mix up the voodoo and the ATR and the ancestral work and honor in that in any way that even gives a crack in the doorway 
for the next person to bastardize it, appropriate it, demonize it, you know. So I am who I am. Like it, love it or leave it. (laughs) I'm all good, (laughs) you know. Whether I have a million followers or or not, I'm good with who I am. I'm good with my demonstration as it relates to voodoo and as a representative for not just voodoo, but ATR worldwide. Voodoo, root work, conjure, obia, the cultures and the traditions that I speak about, that I speak to, I want to be a good steward of my information. I want to be a good steward of what I've been given. I want to be a good steward of my demonstration. You all have no idea who's watching your demonstration. Not just your family, not just your children, not just your neighbors, but the world. We see your demonstration. And indeed, it's in those moments when we think we're being observed the least. You know, at the grocery store, at the gas station, in some of the nooks and corners of of the Internet, that sometimes people expose who they truly are. People expose what's really underneath. And sometimes it takes intense political campaigns and, and four years of, you know, crazy, crazy government uh, experience, you know, for us to see sometimes what's hiding just beneath the surface, what's hiding just beneath the veils. And, and I want to remind you all again, some of those voices in Twitter and Facebook, they're not real. They're not real. I like to go into the, the news media chat. You know, in Facebook, for instance, you know, and, and, and here they come, you know, all the orange followers, you know, with the the flags and the Confederate flags and the racial overtones and the aggressive political, you know, posturing. And I quietly check those profiles. Those people are not real. The profiles aren't real. I dare ask the question, would you be able to identify a fake profile if you really saw it? But then based on our most recent Instagram experience of the last year, I better not ask that question. I better not ask that question because there's a new fake Instagram page for me and my image almost every day. And I'm not, listen, I ain't got time to check for it. I ain't got time to check for it, beloved. Create it, check for it, respond to it, be emotional to it. I know about it because you all tell me. People in my chat, here in the chat, people in my Instagram, they find it, they copy and paste it, they tell me. That's how I find it. I ain't got that kind of time to be looking for it, to be checking for it. I don't have that kind of time. I just don't. I don't understand the season we're in where everything is invalid, everything is untrue. Because in any extremist environment, the opposite extremes then exist. So if nothing is trustworthy, nothing is true, nothing is real, what is this other than what I say at the beginning of every show? It's all an illusion. It's all a test. And it's really contingent on what you Believe and understand and understand and clarify within yourself before anything, before anything that happens out here. And a warrior 
on, on this day of acknowledging the great warrior, a warrior must always choose their battle. And every battle don't require a machete. Everybody, every, every battle don't require a gun. Every, every battle don't require, you know, armory. You know, particularly when we look at the hoodoo, voodoo, conjure community. Energy is real. Haven't I said that enough? Haven't I taught that enough? Energy is real. And you all are expending way too much energy battling false battles, illusionary battles, made-up battles, ego battles, and, and wasting energy that could be better applied to creating and recreating the reality that you want. And listen, I teach from experience. I teach from experience. That was me at 21. That was me at 25. Battling from my emotions, battling from my past, battling from my demons and my ghosts. And stuff I didn't understand demons and ghosts and, and shadow work back then. <laughs> okay? You know, so we've got to pick and choose our battle. Some of the battle is, is solely within. Battling self and, and not getting out of your own way to change a condition, to change a situation, to change a scenario. Ogu, for instance, is not just about going to war. In fact, there's very few stories that speak of Ogu in the context of, of war at all. Ogu is the foundation, the scaffolding, the building blocks, clearing the way, making way for something to be developed. Clearing the land, it can be habitable or able to grow and produce food, fruit, food and fruit and produce. Clearing the way, building a foundation, having a scaffolding uh, underneath us. Indeed, you can't approach Oshun and Yimaya and Shango if you haven't been validated by Ogu. There, again, there's an order to Orisha. If you want to speak in the language of Orisha, there's an order to Orisha. And so you don't just pick and choose your Orisha because you like her or you feel a connection to her or she has something in our Western American mind that you think she has that's desirable for you because there's balance in Orisha. These Orishas have very high characteristics, have a volatile side, some might say a dark side, if you will, that the American palate is, is very limited on information about. And so you don't just approach a reach and pick out and single out and choose. There's an order, even in applying the medicine, even in applying the antidote, there, there's an order to <laughs> things. You don't put the Band-Aid on first and then put the Galls on top of that and then put your peroxide in your alcohol <laughs> on top of that. There's an order to things. There's an order to things. You, you don't turn the fire, the frying pan on and put your pancake syrup in the pan and your butter in the pan and then put your raw pancake mix on top of that. No, there is an order to things. And there's a reason why mom didn't let us play with the stove at five. She allowed us to watch her at five. She allowed us to peel potatoes at six. She allowed us to maybe 
dice some potatoes at nine or ten, maybe, you know, with proper guidance, depending on the maturity level of your child. But you don't throw the young child into an environment that they're unprepared for, that they're unskilled for, that they're unknowledgeable for, not because they're bad people, not because they're going to, you know, do something wicked, but because we don't give a baby steak. We give a baby milk. We give a baby cream of wheat. We give a baby porridge, you know, mashed vegetables, you know, and then when they're ready, we step up to the next to the next phase of, of food. And, and with all of our big mamas, where are our big mamas? I know where my big mama is, but my heart just bleeds for the young mothers and young fathers who don't have the big mamas and the elders to teach these lessons. These lessons mask voodoo. These lessons mask life. Sometimes the, the most simplest thing that Big Mama said, math, so much wisdom, so much power, but you only heard what you could hear at, at the level of understanding that you have at any particular moment in your life. And then as you get older, some of those things come back to you. When you're 25, it comes back to you. When you're 35, it comes back to you. You start remembering. And you get a certain age, you start acting like your parents. For, for better or worse, and you start repeating some of what mama said and what papa said. So there's, there's a great deal of wisdom that is in the ATR world that has to be digested, that has to be consumed in its proper order, that has to be consumed at, at a particular stage, if you will, of your understanding, of your understanding. I appreciate your questions, comments, requests. Indeed, my phone lines are open at 845-277-9143. If you have a question, please remember to press the number one on your telephone keypad. That will allow me to uh, open your mic and bring you into the conversation. You can also just listen, but if you're just listening, you don't have to press the number one. But if you want me to open your mic, please do press the number one. Um, who do occultism asks, why do people quit because they get uncomfortable or when times get difficult for them? I mean, that's a human, I think that's a human thing. No matter what your race, what your ethnicity, I would say even no matter where you are in the world. Now, having said that, I think based on where you are in the world and based on your upbringing and based on your environment and based on your parents and what you saw demonstrated and what was not just demonstrated in your house, but then mirrored back to your distant family, your cousins, your neighbors, that sort of reinforces certain principles and ideas within us. For instance, many of us would um, agree that Juan LaFont said, don't do me like that. <laughs> Many of us would agree that um, that completely threw me off. Uh, oh, okay. Many of us would agree that, um, you know, some particular families have a, have a work ethic that may not necessarily be demonstrated next door. 
or the next block over. And it's not about class or status or, or e- e- economics. I'm sure there are lazy people in the rich neighborhood, in the middle class neighborhood, in the poor neighborhood, et cetera. You know, people fall off in the poor neighborhood, in the middle class neighborhood, in the rich neighborhood, et cetera. So it's not ethno-specific, culturally specific. But I think for us, for us, meaning people who had to go through the, the middle passage, slavery, have post-traumatic slave disorder, we have a certain coding in our DNA that's sensitive about how we view work, how we view control, how we view leadership, how we view authority, uh, how we view learning to some degree. Um, It's more than just having dyslexia or having Asperger's syndrome, in my case, you know, or other forms of uh, learning disabilities. But it's also about... uh, how we have been acculturated in this society, depending on where you are in the world. Now, I know a lot about how children are educated in West Africa. (laughs) Now, they still educate with with the stick in West Africa. They still have corporal punishment in in West Africa. Um, We hear a lot about abuses that take place in West African education, sexual abuses as well as as levels of, of violence. But, but in, in an environment like that, you learn things. You, you learn to learn. You learn what not to do. You, certain things become accelerated in a sort of unnatural way in, in those environments. So I think for us, and particularly if we're talking about TR and, and, and all the protocols and rules and politics around initiating and eldership and, and hierarchy, for instance, and we see a demonstration in the West because that's what we see. I don't care how many books you read, how many documentaries you read, how often you know, you're on Skype with, with West Africa as I am. I still see, we still see the Western world every day. So it reinforces the quick fix. It reinforces the shortcut. TV makes it look like, and, and okay, I hear you. Oh, I don't have a TV. Okay, you got internet. You got Hulu, Netflix, YouTube, Instagram, whoever whoever said that. You got the internet because you're seeing me. Okay, so we see the shortcut reinforced to us in commercialism every day, and commercialism um, mimics real life, but it's not real life. Understand that. It's not real life. You know, when we look at our commercials for diet plans and for weight gain and weight loss and, and, and boobage side and booty size and, and how your clothes look on you, and, and particularly for women, but men get similar messages, but of a different type. What type of car do you have? How much did you pay for it? How much do you make? How much does your house cost? Men have the same thing. It, it just shows up just a little bit differently. And so TV, news, gives you the sense that it should be easier than what is happening for you. You know, even when we look at entertainment, like uh, who's got talent and America's top model, you know, that gives you the illusion of easy, of simple. The first thing is that it happens in eight episodes. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It takes... 
it take us three days just to film a 30-second commercial. That's, just to film a 30-second TV commercial take us three days. Toyota Camry took us three days, and it's a 30-second TV commercial. So when you're seeing America's Got Talent and, and all these game shows, you're, you're, you're seeing a condensed, reduced version of reality, just like I said about this podcast. You're seeing a condensed snapshot, a small window into who I am and what I do and what's going. Shame on you if you're just watching me and you ain't did no Google search and, and you don't know who I am. I, I'm not just here. Some people think I'm just in Twitter. <laughs> so they're looking at my Twitter account and they think that that's my value. Beloved, that ain't my value. Instagram is not my value. YouTube is not my value. And I would pray that the documentaries display a, a, a little bit more of my value than what you get in maybe a podcast or even in a more entertainment-based demonstration like an American Horror Story. Uh, a friend of mine, love you, Divine, <laughs> on Twitter, uh, sort of made the suggestion that, you know, people are believing American Horror Story as if that's, that's true. And I don't want to misquote her. So if you give me a second, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I get my wording right. Uh, yeah, here we go. Okay, so she said, and I'm going to give her some props, Mother Divine, M-U-T-H-A Divine, Mother Divine on Twitter. Uh, she said, American Horror Story and Google has people misled. The depth, she said, has them, but we mean the people misled. The depth of those babies. Now, what she's talking about is an original post that she made about babies on their body, having babies tattooed on their body without understanding the power, the dangers, all the ramifications associated with what a baby is, and now permanently applying that to your body. And it's a good framework for everything that we talk about here. You know, appropriation, bastardization, commercialization, popularization, to the fault of losing track of what's truth and what's real. And the dangers of that show up in our politics. What's truth and what's real? And how does what's not real manage to make it to the White House? Somebody had to vote for what's not real. Somebody had to be in agreement with what's not real. So that's what the, the, how the conversation, that was the, the overall uh, original basis for the conversation. So she was saying American Horror Story and, and Google has them misled, meaning these people who are putting baby tattoos on their body. The depth of those babies, even just wearing them can be detrimental. I'm sure you know. Speaking to me, she said, we got to inform them because it's a must that we do. And so I agree with her. And so I responded with, yes. However, <laughs> American Horror Story is entertainment. American Horror Story is not guilty of, of uh, bastardizing the tradition. American Horror Story is entertainment. And with artists, painters, musicians, there's creative license. 
American Horror Story never said it was a documentary. American Horror Story is not the news. American Horror Story is not set out to educate you in any way, but to entertain you. They use a little history, a, a little novelty, a little folk tale to weave that tale, but, but it's not reality. So my response was, the deeper problem is we have a generation who believes that this online and in the book learning is legitimate to authentic practice in the tradition. That's a problem. We believe we can learn it online. We can learn it in a book. So, yeah, they believe they're learning witchcraft from American Horror Story. They believe they learned witchcraft from Charm back in the 1980s. Charm was cute. I liked Charm, the original television show Charm. Loved Charm. Charm had a lot of hidden bombs in it, a lot of hidden truths in it. Just like American Horror Story, the artisan pulled from history, pulled from reality, pulled from folklore, and weaved the story of imagination. But that's imagination. That's imagination. And so if that's all your children are seeing, you know, I'm of a slightly different generation than some of my listeners, and then I have some listeners who are of a different generation than me, but I saw us go from black and white TV to color TV to cable TV to MTV <laughs> to, to the Internet. <laughs> okay. I, I think, you know, and Carmen probably wouldn't be mad at me for saying, but me and Carmen saw that. Okay. <laughs> so we've seen that progression, you know, with entertainment and, and the things that are now being discussed in the entertainment space, wasn't no witchcraft on TV in my day, not in the seventies, not in the eighties. Um, and, and, and the charm with the introduction, because they had to put it in a pretty package. They had to give it some blonde and some brunette and, and some, you know, <laughs> some lipstick and some paint, you know, and make it palatable. And of course your religious folk, particularly your evangelical Christians, they sort of beat that drum that it was an introduction of witchcraft to to mainstream society. You know, no, it's entertainment. It's entertainment. Now, if you choose to, as I did in elementary school and junior high school, to go to the library and explore and study and, and read the real thing, that's a separate thing. That's a separate thing. We don't we don't take Wendy's, McDonald's rallies you know, as the truth, other than they're going to give you two burgers for 99 cents. But but we don't take it as a truth in terms of, is this how we learn health, wellness, how to eat, how to live, how to cook? No, no. And so what you're exposed to matters. What you know matters. What your track record is matters. And most of you would agree with me if I was talking about your gas. If the gasoline station was selling your gas with olive oil mixed in it, you'd be ready to sue, possibly burn the place down. If your pharmacist was giving you a pill that you later found out was sugar and a little bit of cinnamon, 
with a little bit of sage mixed in, in there with it. <laughs> but you wasn't getting medicine, you'd be upset. But we allow this to happen with ATR. We allow it to happen with what we're quick to say is our tradition. What we're quick to say belong to us. Ogu walks with many symbolism. I'm hesitating to be diplomatic because I'm I'm not about to break any rules or any taboos or any protocols here for people who, who are initiating officially in that process. They're symbolic. They're representative. And Ogu is not the only um, deity that walks with dogs, by the way. Um, Omulu Oye, for instance, also has a relationship to dogs, to animals, to protection. And when you look at Catholic saints, you also see the presence of animals, dogs, birds, cats, snakes, various animals that have a totem, that have a symbolism attached to them, that have a a meaning and or representation. And another level that Hollywood likes to play around with, with with the voodoo is that these totems are, are said to be real and are said to be alive and, and can be spirit devils, if you will, to get things done, to attack the cabiocele. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Lucoso is over my head again. We have these summer storms, summer storms in New Orleans in the middle of Thunder and that lightning, uh falling by day, get to cutting up over over the house. Yeah, so um it's symbolic of, of many of the things that we would associate with the symbolism of of dogs. We say they're loyal. We can train them to some degree to carry out missions, carry out tasks to do various various things for us. So there's some similar resonance with uh, Ogu and and dogs. And, and dogs aren't Ogu's only connection to, to nature. For Ogu is a, a strong representative of man in nature. Uh, I, I like to say Neanderthal men. And see, we've been taught to think of Neanderthal men as cavemen, as non-African, um, which scientifically they are, um, but in terms of looking at Ogu, um, Ogu is said not to be very communicative. Other deities speak for Ogu. Um, Ogu grunts and makes the noises that you would expect from the lumberjack, so from the from the tree climber, from from men building and and men pounding iron. Uh, and creating machete and, and cauldron pot. Um, so he's nature in a more active, advanced uh, place in nature. Um, once Neanderthal man discovered fire, remember now Neanderthal man had fire, left cave art, learned to manipulate animals for their meat, for their fur, you know, for, for their bones. But for the marrow within the bones, a very advanced uh, science, if you will, for how we were taught back in the day about 
you know, dumb, blind cavemen. Now, having said that, um, some of that advancement could have very well come from the mixing between the humans and, and the Neanderthal. So we know that the humans evolved out of Africa, and the, and the Neanderthal can be found on almost every continent except Africa. Uh, Asia, as Asia was at that time, uh, the Americas as they were at that time, and, and Europe. So we might say that the modernization, what made it human, what, what took it to the next level, came up out of Africa. But we look at Ogu, uh, we see him as cutting trees, forging iron and steel, but Oshosi is, is fabulous. Oshosi is a man of the world. Oshosi wears leopard skin, lion skin, a snake skin, pearls, gemstone. Oshosi speaks every language on the globe. Oshosi carries uh, the crossbow, you know, the bow and arrow, symbolic of his true identity as destiny and, and holding that magical crossbow that always hits its mark always hits the target, predates Cupid, <laughs> predates anything Cupid could even want to grow up <laughs> to become. So um, thank you for that, Who Do Occultism. I appreciate you and your consistency to the task at hand. I see you, bro. I see you. I acknowledge your growth. Yeah, King um King of the Truth land. Yeah, profiles not real, information stolen, newcomers corrupting um Pataki and, and Surya Darisha. I absolutely agree. And what's just as troublesome as what's happening here is what's happening in West Africa. Um and that question came up on the Instagram stream as well. <laughs> um and that is the notion, in my opinion, now y'all gonna get mad if you won't. It's my opinion. They're following our demonstration. Now, hear me now. When you think of the black presence, the trans-African presence, the ethnic presence in the world, America's loved and hated, right? Loved and hated. Everybody wants to be here, wants to come here, want what is here to be had and possessed, while at the same time we have our politics and our feelings about what America is based on where you are in the world, okay? So first you have us being cut off from our traditions, cut off from our quote-unquote roots and our origins. But then you have, as has always happened, the Catholic Church getting involved and saying, well, we're going to allow the Spanish-speaking community south of the border to maintain Orisha as long as they become Catholic. Us here in America, in the U.S., we weren't given that option. The only place you had that option was here, New Orleans, Congo Square, right there, Congo Square. You didn't have that option in Alabama, Texas, Florida. You could be hung, mutilated, disemboweled, etc., for trying to drum, for trying to gather, at one time for trying to read. Listen, I understand some of the younger folks may not know. We weren't allowed to read. We weren't allowed to gather. 
You weren't allowed to drum. We weren't allowed to know God. They didn't think we had a soul. So you, you weren't allowed to know anything about God in America, except for New Orleans, because they were Catholic. So we, still, we would like to say they had some humanity for the fact that they refused to feed us on Sunday because we didn't work for them on Sunday. So they allowed us to have our little plots, our little uh, beans and greens and, and legumes and pumpkins and watermelons in Congo Square. That eventually became Bending, the praline man and the watermelon man and the praline lady, you know, grew out of that. Jazz grew out of that. Gospel grew out of that. But we were also allowed to drum Bambula, to, to drum and dance to Kalinda, to drum and dance to Congo. And so if you can remember how to count in Ewe, in Yoruba, and in, in Igbo, and Hausa, then you can remember how to count. You just now being forced to count in Portuguese, in English, in French, in Spanish, etc. So for us here, here in the States, having access, honest access king of, of, of the uh of the gutter land. Forgive me, I mispronounced your name the first time. King of the Gutterland. Um, it's new for us to even have access to ATR. I mean new like 1950. New. Now listen, I was born in 1966. So 1950 is not a long time ago. Understand my 20-year-olds, my 30-year-olds, hear me. 1950 ain't a long time ago. Nobody knew about Orisha in 1950. If, unless you were Cuban, Brazilian, Puerto Rican, but, but if you were African-American, you didn't know about Orisha in 1950. If you hadn't been outside the country, if you hadn't traveled, if you weren't international, you, you didn't know anything about Orisha in 1950. One of my my late godmothers, may she rest in a room, Mama Yeye, originally from, from Gary, Indiana. Some of y'all know who she is. Eventually, Atlanta, Georgia. Then she came in to New Orleans. She was the first African-American woman to sit in both West Africa and, and receive Nago tradition and in Cuba. And then bring it back here in a way that we could use, which is why I respect Mama Yeye. How many of you all who can afford the trip who have afforded the trip, who are making the trip regularly back and forth to West Africa for your Orisha, your Loa, your deities, you know, your crowns, whatnot. What are you bringing back to the community? Other than your own prosperity, your own sense of elite seclusion, what, what are you bringing back to the community? Mama Yeye fed the community. Mama Yeye Ye was willing to give it away, just as I do every day. Beloved, I am not on YouTube all day. She's willing to give it away. If my mama, <laughs> woo, my mama would slap your face, because my mama knows I don't sleep, I don't eat, I don't rest. Carmen would slap your face. I wouldn't eat without Carmen. I wouldn't get water without Carmen. I wouldn't do a lot of human things without Carmen. So I do a whole lot more than just be on YouTube. But I digress. Um, Mama Yeye gave it away. She gave it away. 
And she gave it away to the digression of her body, of her health, of her strength. And eventually, may she rest and rule her life. Y'all not going to do that to me. Y'all not going to work me to death. It's not going to happen. Y'all not going to suck the life out of me, you know, like, like parasitic vampires. And it happens to any truly authentic minister. What's their level of high blood pressure? What's their level of diabetes? What's their level of, of cancers? Particularly the ones that aren't quite as modern as some of us, vegan, vegetarian, flexitarian, trying to eat healthy. You know, the older generation didn't quite have that information. So they didn't stop to, to meditate and to think about their bodies and to cleanse you know, the way that we now do as a part of our, of our new modern conversation. So this is more than notions for those who are just in a hurry to be a reader, a hurry to be a healer, a hurry to, to do Reiki and absorb that energy into your body. You have no idea what you're, you're in a rush for. You have no idea what you're racing for. And it will show up in your life. I, I, I guarantee you. I guarantee you, you have to be impeccable on your schedule, and you have to, or you have to have help, and a little bit of both. No one person is humanly able to, to do it by themselves. No, there's a symbolism in the Christ and the twelve disciples. That's because one, a God, something so powerful as a God, could put all that energy and electricity and power into one body. It would explode. Okay? So it would have to be spread out among a group of people, a, 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 a cluster of people. That's really what soulmate energy is, by the way, if y'all, if y'all didn't understand. Okay? So we, we share a, a woven path, a woven destiny, a, a woven body, if you will. And so no one person can hold all that energy. So if you're indeed working in ministry, working in spirituality and religion, working as a practitioner, working as a healer, you got to be impeccable on your schedule. You got to be impeccable on your diet. You got to be impeccable on on uh, how you view time for self. And then and, and you got to be impeccable on cleansing and purging that energy and emotion that you're taking in. And I would throw in my therapist, I would throw in my psychologist and my psychiatrist and, and my frontline workers in, in the ER, my social workers. Y'all are absorbing real negative stuff every day, every day. My, my child protective services worker. And so you have to cleanse that, purge that. And so without help, it makes it a little bit more hard, difficult. So some of you have your family, your spouse, your partner your older children, your grown children, you know, but in ministry, you know, same thing. And then you have staff when you can afford it. <laughs> you you hire help when you when you can get it. Okay, Marcus. Okay, um you should feel dead. And and, and try to invoke Baron Sam D um as as I suggested on the documentary Buried World Worlds. Buried Worlds with Don Wildman. Um, it's very dangerous. 
it's it's not something that we take lightly, even in voodoo. Even in a voodoo ceremony, invoking Baron Samdi, inviting Baron Samdi, invoking Gede, period, is not something that's done. Um, Gede is, is seen to be the unsettled dead. What's unsettled in your family? What's unsettled in your bloodline? The uh, generational curses, family secrets, what's unresolved that's major with a major footprint, energetic footprint individually also shows up in bloodline, particularly when it's passed on children, you know, into grandchildren. So that's, that, that's what we know as the family of Gede. Baron Samdi is the father of the leader of, the head of, the, that family of, of dead. So he speaks for all those sort of unsettled dead. He has different imagery, depending on whether you're looking at a Haiti and a Haitian Baron Samdi or a New Orleans Baron Samdi. The New Orleans Baron Samdi is a little more jovial, is more of a, a jokester a little bit more of a trickster, um, still fr- a little frightful, still unnerving, but not quite as unnerving as maybe a Haitian Gede. Um, in Haiti, they seek a more corpse-like appearance. So the Hogan, and really only Hogans possess Baron Sambi. Um, plus his ears with cotton, plus his nose with cotton, He's dead. He's out. And so the assistants, the people who help, do that. And that's another reason why you shouldn't try and invoke Baron Sam D by yourself. Because if you're by yourself trying to invoke Baron Sam D or possess Baron Sam D, who's who's there to bring you back if you pass out? If you're if you're dead beyond what's realistic, who's there to to, to bring you back? So. Typically, a baron is invoked only in the presence of other practitioners, other priests and priestess or hogans and, and mambos who know how to interact with the dead. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the powder is applied, you know, which only encourages the corpse-like appearance, Haitian uh, baron demonstration. Uh, baron can speak to some degree in Haitian um, voodoo, but he may curse, use profanities, um, gyrate sexually, um, speak of things that would otherwise be hidden or unknown in the family, um, like those dirty secrets that we don't like to have aired out in, in, the, in the public. Um, Baron can drink a, a unhuman amount of liquor and not appear drunk. Uh, Baron can can leap over fire, um, as what happened in Buried Worlds with Don Wildman, um, and and not be burned or or phased a whole lot. Um, So it's emblematic of, symbolic of what's unsettled, what's unrested. So we don't invoke Baron in that that way. Um, And so Baron helps us to, you know, stay the course in terms of doing our work, doing our homework, addressing our issues, not letting things die with us, only for them to live again. 
um, with your children or your grandchildren to, to heal those those generational curses. And, and of course, there are areas that you know how we handle our money, how we handle our lives, how we handle children, how we handle mental health, how we handle physical health. You know, our diet. All of those things can end up in the realm of thereon. Um, and also to what's unresolved and what's un, unfixed, if you will. But that's a great, uh, that's a great question. Uh, I don't know, uh, Goddess Initiative, I don't know where Keona is. I haven't heard from Keona. But thank you for asking. I'm sure she would appreciate that. Um, Denise Preston, society, media tricks us to think that things come instant when it's longer than what they expect people get impatient. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and I think that goes back to some of what um, Hoodoo Occultism was, was asking about earlier. And, and we see it, unfortunately, a great deal in not just ATR. I mean, education, how, how we go about education in America. Our whole educational system is out of whack. It's unfair. It's imbalanced. Um, it's immoral in some cases. Um, steeped in white supremacy and racism. Steeped in, steeped in systems that only further push certain select groups of people forward and delay and, and, and hold back others. And so that plays a role in how your parents, for instance, some of you are parents in this room. How do you decide where my child is going to go to school? Are they going to go to public, private, parochial, religious? How do you decide that? And is it just on how much you can afford? Yeah, I'm sure that that plays a role. Is it just on where you live? I'm sure that plays a role. What's available? where you live, um, what's convenient. You know, my mama had to drive, you know, two hours to and from work every day, <laughs> you know. So, and my dad, you know, worked in, in D.C., D.C. government. I won't say doing what. Um, and so we were what they call latchkey kids. So from dark, 5.45 to 6 in the morning, we were by ourselves and had to leave and go to school from elementary, junior high to high school. We had elementary, junior high, and high school. Um, now they have elementary, middle school, and high school. Um, but we had to do that on our own and then spend, you know, two or three or four hours in the, in the evening uh, by ourselves. And so that was called latchkey. Now, my mom filled the gap for that. My mom made sure we were at the library every weekend. My mom made sure we were at the museum once or twice a month, at the theater, at the opera house, at the symphony, at the marionette, you know, playhouse. You know, we, we were exposed to culture. We were exposed to ways of learning other than just being in the classroom and, and from a book, even though my mother is a classroom teacher, a, a, a former educator. So, um, that, I think, Denise Preston, really plays a role in how we learn, how we learn about learning. 
how we learn to learn, how we learn to study. Uh, it, it was at the college level when I learned that you had to be taught how to study. You had to be taught how to take notes are often segregated to certain groups, certain elitist circles, certain elitist communities. And so then we see ATR being demonstrated in the same way. Orisha, Lukomi, Santeria, Ifa, in some ways being relocated to only the rich, the wealthy, the prosperous, the, 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 those who, who are in the in, in crowd, the in group, the in circle. And, and it's being denied to, quote, unquote, regular black folk. And I think that feeds that uh, uh, Moorish desire to want to separate themselves from slavery and, and elect themselves more onto Moorish history, which I don't have a problem with, but I, I'm, I'm equal in fear across the board. Show me your DNA. Beloved, I need to see your Ancestry.com, 23andMe, your African DNA, your AfricanAncestry.com. There's a whole bunch of new of them now. I, I need to see some paperwork. The Goddess Initiative, Supernatural, has so many little gems hidden for those in angelology and demonology. Yeah, absolutely. I would say gems and revelation. We, we interact with spirit every day. Now, you're either aware of it, educated about it, up to date on it, or you're just not. And again, that's just like education. You know, they, they, and, and, and coming from Chicago, because I was born in Chicago, and, and my brothers and sisters are still in Chicago, my first cousin, second cousin, still in Chicago. Um, there's a common saying in Chicago, it's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And, and, and I got a cousin, you know, we're not the best of friends, but, you know, she made her way through college doing what some young women, unfortunately, feel that they have to do. She had, you know, other people do her paperwork and her classwork and, you know, and she got a degree only to then become, you know, Decades locked into the welfare system, um, and, and it's now still just beginning, I think, to live and, and to get an understanding of what living is. So sometimes the shortcut is imposed on us, is encouraged, is influenced, is put right in our face, just like the worst foods are easiest to get or cheapest to get are the most available, your best foods are more expensive, harder to get. They don't have them in my neighborhood. You got to drive out to the suburbs to get them. Now, thank goodness, you got your Instacart, and they'll bring it to you, but that didn't exist before this year. The young people, that didn't exist. You know, I live in what they call a food desert. And so I think that our communities are often food deserts for information as well. How to handle your taxes? How to handle your 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 student loans? How to how to handle your your housing? You know, and, and even I to this day struggle with it. I have a CPA and I'm still struggling with it. And they could do a little bit better to explain things and make things plain to people who 
don't get it. And, and, and ain't been there. It ain't seen certain things, you know. But when you're comfortable and that's all you know, you expect everyone else in that circle to know. And then there's the gatekeepers that prevent the new people from coming into the know. You know, and that within itself becomes a get day. That within itself becomes a generational curse. And so we have so many young people dying of, of murder and shooting. Um, you know, what happened to the big queen, Fayaya, is just unacceptable. And, and how does that happen at a, at a repay? You know, I don't know the details. I'm not even sure I want to know the details. But who were they shooting at? And for what? And why at the repay? You know, and what the queen got to do with that? You know, and, and it just drove thousands of people into the streets yesterday. Thousands of people came out for a big queen fire. You know, and that, you know, I, I felt that, but I watched y'all on camera. I seen your Kalinda. I watched y'all with no mask on. I watched y'all on, on camera, all jumbled up, booted up. With no mask on, uh, I don't understand it. I, I I don't understand it. I love Bewitched Daniel Jackson. Um, now, now you're dating me a little bit. <laughs> Bewitched goes back to black and white television. That that would have been one of the first shows. Listen, y'all, two of the first shows that I would have grown up on, that I would have remembered at age two. Age three was Bewitched and I Dream of Jean. Okay, now that's reruns for y'all, and for some of you, it's new in Netflix or YouTube or Hulu. But those would have been the two shows that I would have been exposed to first. Uh, the third one would have been, um, oh wow, what was that black and white show about the, the White House people? She had a real jazzy mouth back in the 50s. A housekeeper. No, a housekeeper. Right? And she had a little funky accent, little accent about her. I can't remember. Somebody, somebody in the chat would know, but but it was she was a it was a show about a housekeeper, a white housekeeper who had a little jazzy mouth on her. Um, I don't know if she was a Jewish mother. I, I'm not sure what her role was. Hazel, that's it, Hazel. So the first three shows being born in 1966 that I would have been exposed to would have been Bewitched, I Love, uh, not I Love Lucy, I Dream of Jeannie, Hazel, I, I, I Love Lucy would have came later. And then once my parents became sort of black nationalists and we found out how racist Lucille Ball was, Lucy, I Love Lucy wasn't even on, on the menu uh, for, for our house in the 70s going into the into the 1980s. But Bewitched would have been, and I Drew and Jeannie would have been two of the first shows I would have seen in my life. So, and then, um, you know, there was a talking horse, Mr. Ed, that was black and white. Uh, my favorite Martian, that was black and white. So I grew up probably on the first generation that got alien TV, a little bit of witchy TV, 
uh, of course, the genie or gin, <laughs> demonology and, and, and gin work, <laughs> okay, um, um, the goddess initiative, you know, in the late 60s. And then they colorized it going into the 70s. So those would have been the shows that I would have grew up on. And then being uh, raised in a first a black spiritualist church, then converting to evangelical Christianity, magic is all I know. Magic, demons, angels, spirits, that's all I've ever known. What has changed is people's willingness to study, do the research, and, and, and understand that things don't fit together. Certain shrines don't go in the same space. Certain deities don't get compiled together. Um, and that's where I think witchcraft and uh, all the things that have sort of furthered that demonstration, because we really don't talk about witchcraft a whole lot on this show. We, we, we might need to do a show or two or three just about witchcraft and what witchcraft is. And, and how non-indigenous witchcraft really is to most of the world. It indeed belongs to Eurasia, indeed. And if every ethnic group, like I like to say, Brazil has Candable and Cuba and Lukumi and every ethnic group, every country, every culture indeed has its, its spiritual footprint. And we just borrow from them and we appropriate from them and we mix them up and, and sometimes that get lost but I think that is most prevalent um, in in the case of ATR. Uh, Legba also has a relationship to dogs. Many deities have a relationship to dogs. Uh, spiritual offset. And listen, I appreciate you and Hoodoo Occultism and your, and your questions about the dog. You know, and you've been around, you know what I'm getting ready to say. <laughs> you know, it's just a lot of misunderstanding about the symbolism and what exists in these traditions, because I think, you know, we just stay on the surface. We just stay on the surface. And even my self-taught people, I, I love you. I'm self-taught to some degree, to some degree. I support my self-taught people. I just beg you to do the work, beg you to do the work. And the ones who don't get it, I don't think you understand the level of work. You got you to gotta go at it like you would chemistry, algebra, geometry, science. You, you got to go at it as if you were at Harvard, as if you were at Yale, as if you were at Howard University, as if you were at Southern. You know, this isn't a hobby for us. This is our life. This is our way of being. It's more than the, the, the botanical store novelty. So there's a, so much that's withheld, but then there's so much that's right in our face that, that we just won't delve deep enough to really get an understanding. And, of course, the symbol of the dog shows up in very specific circumstances. It's not always present. It's not always necessary. Just like I started this show to say that every battle don't require a machete or a gun. <laughs> you know, who brings a, 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 a you know, a, a toothpick to a gunfight? Who brings a, a, a gun? 
you know, to, to a word battle, you know. So the dog symbol comes and goes and it's as relevant as it is to the work at hand. Uh, thank you for that, Crystal. I'm Lynn Witt. I, I wasn't aware of that. I would be curious to get uh, more information about that. Um, who do a cultism? Beloved, your grammar and your spelling, but you're good. <laughs> Why do Santeria priests think that they know more than traditional Ifa priests? Um, it, it has a lot to do with white supremacy and racism. And white supremacy and racism created colorism, created the paper brown test, the, the, bat, the, the uh, brown paper bag test, created, uh, you know, classism, if you will. And so that shows up even back to enslavement in the Middle Passage. It shows up in, in the relationship that I just described with the Catholic Church allowing for the maintenance of Orisha in Cuba and in, and in you know, Spanish colonies as long as they, they committed to, to Catholicism. We did not have that same option. And so now in the spirit of the Orisha romance, and I, and I can't say that I always uh, blame them for sort of feeling a certain kind of way when they see the bastardization, the appropriation, the mixing and the misuse and the mistreatment uh, of the tradition. Now, I can remember back in 2005, back when MySpace was still social media and Yahoo 360 was still on the air. And the Ning, N-I-N-G network, was, was just being born. Um, it was primarily Lat- Latino and Hispanic practitioners who were visible in social media, sparring, debating over the tradition. Uh, and they were in their feelings. They were sensitive. And if you misspoke, misspoke, Heaven forbid you would deliver it in your, in your uh, demonstration. They came for you. They came after you. Some of us remember the early days of Blog Talk Radio. Uh, there was a great deal of sparring and arguing and, and who's black enough and who's proud enough and who's radical enough and who's voodoo enough. And, you know, it, that was 2007, 8, 9, 10. And so that, it's a trend that I see come and go, come and go. And so that died down. And, and many of those people disappeared. Some of them reinvented themselves and came back, not thinking that they were going to leave a footprint. Um, and, and, and then they come back at something else. And, and for a while, it was Dr. York. I can remember in 2010 to 2015, it, it was all about Dr. York. It was all about all about New Wapian and, and you know, and that was the, the going thing and everybody was gung ho and was willing to to curse you and, and profane you and defame you based on your belief for and or against, you know, that particular movement. And then of course we know they had problems and then they moved on to the next movement. Um I think right now it, where it's not Orisha, 
uh, where it's not ATR, it's um, Hebrew Israelite, you know. And then at some point you grow up. Some of us grow up in our 20s. Some of us grow up in our 30s. Some of us grow up in our 40s. Some of us grow up in our 50s. And you get off that roller coaster. Your eyes open and you see things more clearly. And you realize that there's a, a cycle of that that just keeps repeating. Illusion. That's part of the distraction. That, that's part of the work of the devil, if you will, to keep your eyes off, off the goal, not just in your moment, but generationally off the goal. And then as you get older, you, you settle and you see what is settled, what never changed, what has been and remains absolute in the tradition, and then what is relative which is going to keep readjusting and coming back each generation. There's always going to be the next generation of wannabe practitioners and the next generation of practitioners who are going to defend this tooth and nail. And some of you who are looking at me and hating on me right now, in the next 10 years, the next 20 years, you're going to be me. You will have settled into your tradition. You would have learned from your mistakes. And then you're going to be fighting tooth and nail, the, the generation of uh, 2030, <laughs> 2040, you know, and you're going to be accusing them of appropriating the tradition. It happens every generation, every generation. It happens with every technology. Every generation resists technology, every generation. I'm sure the radio generation resisted black and white TV like it was 5G. And they probably thought it was the devil coming into their house. Okay? And then we went from that to the color. And, and, and they thought, oh, well, color is going to give us cancer. And, you know, 5G ain't drama ain't new. <laughs> Internet rumors ain't new. This conspiracy, wait a minute. Rumors ain't new. Internet rumors are new. You know, just the Internet has helped to take these theories and these conspiracies to another level. And so that's why people like me, seems so tense and so worked up and so agitated and, 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 and so quick to say, no, 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 you can't do it that way. And you get, you know, because we've seen it a hundred times. And once you get a half a century or older, you've seen it at least four times or more because you see a remask every generation, every decade, every seven to nine years, you see it come back as something new. Do you know how many times we've seen bell bottoms since the sixties? They come and go, come and go. That's not new. Skinny jeans ain't new. Uh, the Beatles wore skinny jeans in the 60s. That's not new. It's new to you. And I want to say, specifically, um, just because you don't know me don't mean that I'm nobody. Just because you just found it out don't mean that I just started yesterday or, or, or a year ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. You better Google me. You better do your homework. Ask my mama. Hey, mama. <laughs> ask some of my high school, some of my elementary school buddies that's on my Facebook. You better ask around. This ain't new. And so it's a reason that old people, y'all, y'all, y'all like to say old people, you know, say, boy, you ain't, you ain't been nowhere. You ain't seen nothing. You're still wet behind your ears. Everybody says that. 
Everybody says that. And, and, and to use one of my mama's favorite quote, if you blessed and you get old enough, you're going to say it too. You're going to say it too. If you survive, black man, if you survive black woman to see 60, 70, 80, 90, you're going to say it too. You're going to say it too. There's wisdom in experience. There's wisdom in time. There's wisdom in years. And when we think about big mama, big papa, grandparents who may not have been that literate, who maybe may not have been that educated, they, they gathered their wisdom the hard way through experience, through doing it, through hearing it, through seeing it, and being quiet enough to sit back and remember it. Because you got to be quiet to, to remember. You, you can't talk and argue and recount the events all at the same time. If that was the case, court, court would be an easier process. Your, your traffic accidents would be an easier process. Your brain ain't wired to do all of that at the same time. So you've you got to be still long enough to hear what's being said, to see what's being demonstrated. To, to, what's the body language? What's the facial expression? What's the emotion? What do they, little quirk happens when they do and say a certain thing. That, that's what your parents do. That's why your mama know when you're lying. Your mama know when your eye twitch and, and when you start pulling at your finger, when you start talking a certain way that you are off course. And, and we would like to think that, that we all have access to that as we grow and mature and, and become who we truly are. The, the, the quickest, this is math, y'all, the shortest distance to any, between any two locations is a straight line. I assure you, the shortcut is not helping you. The shortcut is not making it easier. It's just an illusion. It's just an illusion. You can take the pill to mask it every day. You can drink that pink stuff or the blue stuff or the purple stuff to, to cover it up. But at some point, you have to address why am I having to take this pill, this medication? Why am I having to apply this salve? Why am I having to apply this this remedy? Thank you, thank you, um, Devotee Works. Thank you, thank you. Greetings, greetings. Uh, do I have questions, comments? Am I missing my phone? Sometimes my list of phone callers, I can't see Blog Talk Radio and Streamyard at the same time. You all have tabs on your computer, right? I I, I have to move back and forth. So if you have questions, comments, and requests, and I'm going to give you a few more minutes, you can get on 845-277-9143 and press the number one on your telephone keypad, and I'll be more than happy to assist you. Give me a moment to scroll down through my chat. I, might, I may be missing questions in the chat. Yeah, I know my mom is watching me. My mom is always watching, and I'm indeed grateful for that. Okay, let's see, let's see. Ah, yes, mental health, education, even our educators. Um, man, there's a front line of defense for more than just what their job calls for, you know. And often when, when the child is existing in imbalance, 
they bring that to the classroom. They bring that to the schoolhouse. So it's often the teacher that discovers the imbalance even before the quote-unquote doctor does. The teacher often will see it first. Sometimes the teacher, if you're not an intensive parent, sometimes the teacher discovers your child needs glasses before you do. Sometimes the teacher discovers your child has a hearing impediment before you do, you know. So our educators, our teachers, we absorb a lot. <laughs> we take a lot. And so that which don't make its way to the, to the clinic often will show up at the desk of the teacher. And, yes, we are indeed at, at war. Uh, race, but race is just, Cubanga, hear me. Race is just an illusion. It's just the surface. When we think of racism, racism, white supremacy, racism is, is too simplistic. Race is too surface. You have to look at the system of white supremacy, which includes real estate, finances, education, medication, access to health care, so many things that transcend race. Also, as we continue to expose ourselves to technology and, and DNA, um, race is too thin a, a veil. You ha- we have to see beyond just race. If, if we limit it to just race, um, you know, the idea that I can trust all brown people, that I can trust all black people, I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm not there yet because I understand the dynamics of humanity. I know that you cannot trust all people. And so you're going to get darkness and light in every color. You got your tans, you got your beige, you got your cocoa brown, you know, you got your deep coffees, you, you, you got your, your, your noir, you know, you got your ebony, your mahogany. You know, there, there are degrees, if, we, if we're talking about race, Race is, is a thin construct. We have to look at ethnicity. We have to look at much more specific information. There's that war between, uh, first, I would say the modern technologically, uh, I was going to say advanced, uh, technologically advanced culture and world that we exist in versus one that might be more indigenous, more natural, more organic, that may actually save the planet. I think the mistake was we believed that, you know, we could cut down all of nature for the benefit of industry, you know, and not think about the future, not think about the next generation, not understanding the cyclical nature of it that it's not just what we leave behind to our children, grandchildren, but indeed it affects even those who are living right now. You know, you're absorbing it in um, right now. So I think there's that battle between, you know, the pharmacy and the holistic approach. There's that battle between industry education and homeschooling and who's qualified to homeschool. Hell, who's qualified in Nutrition. Who's who's qualified in in what we eat and how we eat? Now, listen. I know a bunch of sisters who've educated themselves on that. I know some beautiful black women and brown women and 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 and, and various 
Asian women and people all over the world who've educated themselves about that, but they don't teach that in school. You know, if you're not going to chef school, you know, some, some form of nursing where you require nutritional awareness. And so many get it now from social media. Many get it now from pop culture. So that, that furthers that war internally, uh, Q-Banga, between doing what everybody else is doing, doing what society says uh, is the right way, is the proper way. Society might say, you know, eat fast food every day, smoke cigarettes, drink alcohol, have, have as much sex as you want to have, buy until you can't buy no more. You know, society might say, here, take three, four, five of these credit cards. You know, that might not be in your best interest. But, but society might say that. Just because we can don't mean we should. Just because it's available on the shelf don't mean we all pull it down and put it in our basket. It don't mean we all pick it up, you know, and take it to the checkout counter. But who's there to make that choice for you? Who's there to educate the consumer? And if the consumer is not living in an environment of education, see, I live in an environment of education. I have to learn because every day Carmen brings something new. My mama brings something new. Pani brings something new. Tony Val brings something new. You all bring something new. And so half the night, my light is going off and on on social media because I'm searching and researching and studying and reading. I'm not chatting. I'm not zooming it up. <laughs> you know, you know? My light be on because I'm busy, <laughs> you know, because I'm, I'm educating and re-educating. Education is not linear. It's not something you do. I, I need to get these 12 years in, these 15 years in, and I'm done. No, it's something you do your entire Life, you educate and re-educate. I would hope every time you pick up the product on the shelf, you read the label, don't you? What is this? Where did it come from? What's in it? You know, I I would like to think, you know, that thanks to my mama, uh, that's how I view life. What is it? Where did it come from? What's in it? (laughs) You know, maybe you might want to ask those questions on your next date. What's in it? Where did it come from? You know, what, what's what's its agenda? What is your agenda? Papa Legba is the gatekeeper um, for all gates, all crossroads. No, he's not limited to the South. I'm not even sure where that was introduced. Papa Legba is a governor of all, all crossroads, all doors, all directions. You have no compass without Papa Uh For corpse, I don't know about that spiritual offset. Perhaps. <laughs> but for a corpse, I, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> yes, indeed. Come on, y'all. I'm about to uh, have lunch. So let me see if I missed something. I appreciate all the time that you all spend here. I appreciate your offerings, your donation, your love, your support, your gifts. I get some of the most unusual things in the mail. Yeah, uh, modern education, Western education is very different from not just oral tradition, but from the indigenous world and and how we formally educated um, ourselves. 
And now also with this larger population, world population, and, and you're educating, you know, 50 students, 60 students sometimes. Um, yeah, good times. And Sanford and Son came uh, a little bit later when Color TV was really uh, jumping. Uh, spiritual offset. Yeah, we were only allowed to watch, unless it was news or a documentary, um, we were only allowed to watch black shows, Hispanic shows, Latin shows. I watched Be Allegra. I grew up watching Be Allegra. And Electric Company in both English and Spanish. I grew up in the DMV in the Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. Uh, you might want to say that that's a bit international corner of the country. So I was exposed to, to a great deal in that part of the, of the country, both positive and negative. Some of the negatives still exist in the DMV. I, I say if I had children, I wouldn't raise them in the DMV. Not in PG County, for sure. Country, OB country, you should really be initiated to work with any LOA, to work with any Orisha. I like to describe it as um, you have daughters and some young, nasty unknown coming for your your daughters without being properly introduced, without a dowry, without a process, without being vetted. I also think and believe and understand as I was taught that you're opening yourself to the spirit realm as well in a way that you might not be um, um Neophyte Bokur, delete what from chat? Um, you may also be opening yourself up to spirits and other spirits that you are not inviting, you're not invoking, but the uh, unprepared approach to invoking deities that you haven't been uh, formally uh, introduced to, initiated to, is, is highly um, discouraged. Um, yeah, King of the Gutterland, remind me about about doing that. Yeah, please, y'all remind me to do the voodoo with my next show. Yeah, I don't I don't suggest invoking anything beyond your ancestors that you don't know anything about, that you haven't been introduced to, that you haven't been properly exposed to. And then there are ways to interact with your ancestors that you shouldn't try to do if you aren't appropriately trained. Um, Carol B., why do some tarot readers charge and some don't but accept donations? There are many reasons. Um, and now you're asking me to speak for all tarot readers. Tarot readers aren't a monolith. Tarot readers are not an organization. Tarot readers are not organized as, say, for instance, voodoo, lukumi, where you are required to initiate. So, therefore, there's an organization to that. Um, tarot is just sort of out there as a novelty. And so we think we can all go buy some tarot cards, 
We can all just start reading. Oh, I had a few drinks. Oh, and let me stop real quick. I'm going to come back to that. People are making up dreams now to impress y'all in social media. <laughs> People are literally making up just these crazy dreams. They've read, you know, Louisa Tesh in a few books, and they then type these dreams into social media with all of this Orisha and Loa symbolism that they've gathered from books. And you can tell what comes from books. Um, just like our discussion about the dog, you can tell what's pop culturally known and then what's masked behind the tradition if you are in the tradition. And so they, you know, use this, these references from the book. You know, okay, let's say, for instance, Oshun like citrus fruit. Okay, so they, I dreamt oranges and I was in the boat on the river and, and, and the woman came down dripped in gold, you know, and, and, and it was Oshun. You know, or they're using shady, you know, wording like, well, I know what it means, but we're going to keep that a mystery. <laughs> and for some reason, y'all are drawn to that. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. And it seems to be working. Uh, it's just the idea of magic. It's just the, the suggestion of cartoon TV-like magic. But I had to tell that quick story because it's it's trending. I saw at least four people do it in the last week in, in various streams of social media. And, and they're painting this dream that we're supposed to believe. Listen, I, don't, I ain't in your house. I don't sleep with you. I'm not in your head. Even your husband don't know what you dream. Your wife don't know what you dream or don't dream unless you tell them. Now, now, your husband, your wife might trust you organically right there in the moment. You woke up in the sweat. You know, he said that he was drowning. You know, <laughs> okay, so your spouse might buy that. Okay, but then Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, what are we supposed to do with that? Oh, I know. We're supposed to believe that somehow you're being called by the loa and it's legitimate. This is the kind of stuff that they're doing to appropriate and bastardize the tradition. That's the stuff that gets in my craw and keeps me up at night. Okay. Um, some tarot card readers don't charge because they're practicing. They're learning. They, they, they have fear enough or they've learned quickly the wrong way that if they charge, people are going to have a different degree of expectation about the reading. See, look, I learned at 15 that people don't respect free. People don't respect free. No more than y'all respect the dollar store compared to Macy's. Now, your grandbabies got their baby dolls, and they want to wash the baby doll here. You're going to give them the 99-cent store shampoo. You're not going to give them your Macy's shampoo. Okay. So once you start charging or even asking donations, it's a, it changes the dynamic. First, there has to be an energy exchange. That's why the fortune tellers symbolically, and I know, I, again, I'm, I'm aging myself. Some of y'all may not remember the fortune tellers of old with the crystal ball and, and the head wrap and the huge earrings, and they would say, cross my palm with silver. But there's a reason for that. Silver carries energy. 
And there was a time in the world where there was no paper money. It was silver. It was gold. It was coinage. It was items. And silver carries energy. And so that helps to bind you together, bring you together in, in the reading. I often say in the course of a remote reading, we have to connect energy. So don't tell me your details. Don't give me your story. But I need you to talk so that your energy is present. So the donation is also about the exchange of energy, the fair and even exchange of energy. But I've learned through my own practice, it's also about value. You all don't value free. I had a cousin who don't talk to me till this day over free. She wore me out free. She was a vampire free. She was parasitic free. And it was always a reading. It was, we was always doing work. We was always cleansing her, you know, and, and doing some kind of, but she, she didn't respect the tradition. She had a very witchy black magic kind of attitude about the tradition. She didn't, you know, when, when you bring in a different man in, in, a, in the house every other day, you ain't respecting your traditions. When you losing your morality and your morals and your scruples on the weekend, you ain't respecting your traditions. And see, when we look at this, Carol B., from the pop cultural perspective, for instance, how you see tarot readers talk in Twitter, for instance. What do they talk about? What do they post? What do they look like? You know, I, I got one good friend, love him to death, but I can't share nothing he posts because it's all got penis and, and ass in it. <laughs> but he a tarot reader. That that would get you know that would give me a caution. You know I feel the same way about you know people of various health conditions being doctors, being medical professionals. You know, but you're encouraging me to take care of my body, but you won't take care of yours. There, there's a dichotomy there that was suggested by the great magical book Carol B that in the last days, the truth will become the lie and the lie will become the truth. So there's a whole lot of reasons why tarot readers do what they do now. Um, many people choose tarot because they feel it's non-committal. I don't have to commit to nothing. I don't have no boss, no elder, no godparents. I don't have to go to school. No one can tell me how to do it, when to do it. You know, there's a relative truth there. But does it fit into the absolute truths about what reading tarot is? No, and not at all. So some people don't charge because they know better. Some people don't charge because they already then, then, then risk, <laughs> you know, having an issue with taking somebody's money and not knowing what they were, what they were doing. I also look at beyond just the donation, Carol, comments and ratings, and I made a big deal about that early in the show. Denying me a comment and a rating in, in Psychic World is equal to denying me my money. I'd rather have your comment and rating than your money. One, we ain't making no money on those sites. Let's be clear. I do that site for reach, not for money. Not for money. 60% or more of our income goes to the site. King, California Psychic, Psychic World, Live Persons, most of your money goes to the site. 
That's why you can't contact me on this site to do my complex divination, to do my complex work. I'm not about to have you send a large sum of money through a site that's going to take most of it, only to then further promote the stereotype, the blonde-haired, brunette, white, mixed-race, psychic reader, and often those profiles aren't real. Look at the pictures. How often do they change the picture? How fresh is the picture? How authentic is the picture? They count on you all not to care about details. They count on it. They count on us to look for the shortcut. They're counting on it. So, yes, Carol B., um, that's what it is. That's what it is. Some people feel that, if, well, you know, it was by donation, and I had a choice to give her $5, $3, $10. You don't care. That reading could have been total bullshit. You don't care. You don't care. But but when I say my complete reading is, is a certain fee, and some of y'all say, ooh, that's high, you ain't never had that definition. I've never had anybody who's had that divination say that. And after you sit on the floor for three hours, like I'm doing now, dehydrated, lips turning white, no time to eat, drink, think, go to the restroom and do that three or four times a day. How, How much should a tarot reader do that for? $15 a day? $50 a day. How much should Carol Reader do that for? I also think, Carol B., it has to do with how professional are you? How much do you really know about tarot? You know, how serious are you about tarot? What is your overhead? (laughs) You know, real professional tarot is working in shops, working where they have mortgages and leases and got to pay the bills and got to pay their other staff and, and their other workers. You don't have a problem going into the rock shop, but then and you don't ask for no donation at the rock shop. <laughs> you know, we're not questioning a donation at the rock shop. No, we call it price at the rock shop. It costs. It has a tag. Um, I think donation also is contingent on what type of business you are. I'm a ministry. You're not paying me for reading. I don't even want people to get the idea that you can buy readings from me because that furthers the commercial attitude about reading. I'm not here to help every 13-year-old figure out why they soulmate broke up with them in the sixth grade. I, I, no. ATR, voodoo, real spirituality and religion, real work. So, uh, no, I don't sell readings. You are offering a donation for the continuation of ATR and Voodoo in House of the Divine Prince. You're making sure that my staff eats. You're making sure that the lights stay on. You're making sure that I can afford the candles that I burn during your reading, that I can afford the incense that I smudge you with, that I can afford all the rum and liquor that we spray and, and spit. So it, it, it has everything to do with experience, professionalism, how long they've been doing it. And, and, and again, I'm going to say something that ain't popular. I needed some kind of drum roll here. The younger they are, the more I question. The younger they are, the more I question it. 
you, you can't be 23 out the gate talking about you reading. You still learning how to read yourself at 23. You, you still try to learn how to read yourself. So the younger they are, the more I, I, I question, the more I question. Um, there's technology. So technology makes people look popular. Uh, just because someone has 50,000 followers doesn't mean they're doing work. Doesn't mean they're getting five readings a week. I know it because they spend too much time tweeting and Instagramming, <laughs> you know, and, and baiting you and, and, and throwing out those, you know, entertaining posts, you know, trying to pull you in. The, the thirstiness is obvious. The hunger is obvious. And many of you, if not all of you, y'all watching me, y'all see me, y'all see what I post. I'm nobody's Miss Cleo. I'm nobody's call me now. I'm nobody who's posting an advertisement every single day, all day, every post. I rarely advertise. I rarely ask people to seek me out. Y'all seek me out and then ask me what I can do. Y'all seek me out. I don't, I don't do that. Now, I'm working on it. I hope to have a, a commercial on TV <laughs> relatively soon. I'm working on it, but I'm not, no, no. So Carol B., as well as others, we've got to really be more discerning about the demonstration of these traditions that um, we're seeing show up in, in social media. Okay, these babas that are showing up in your DMs are not real. And that's another point I wanted to make. Um, again, the African-American audience often gets blamed for the Western audience often gets blamed for the overt bastardization and appropriation of the tradition. And some of you might think that's all I talk about. But no, the Nigerians are doing it now. The Ghanaians are doing it now. You know, because you never know what country they're really coming from when they show up in your DM using seven, eight, nine fake pictures. You don't know what country they're really coming from. Even some of the Ifa language in those posts don't be right. Don't be right. And they expect that the American audience don't care enough to check what's right. So that showing up in your DMs, the Babalao showing up in your DMs is very popular right now. It's, it's very popular, and it's never real. No practitioner uses Cash App. No practitioner uh, overtly solicited services. Um, the only religious group I know who solicits services is Jehovah Witnesses and people who go door to door. But most churches don't solicit services. You know, they might air their service on TV or on radio, and you might choose to then go there. But no, no authentic practitioner is going to show up in your DM and tell you the ancestors got a message for you, you know, and you got a dark curse on you and they got to fix it. No. And you ain't had no reading. You ain't invited no reading. You ain't asked to be read. <laughs> no. And we're not allowed to, re to read people who don't want to be read. Uh, a brief review of what hoodoo occultism. I missed something. Um, I don't understand what you mean a review. 
and I'm quickly running out of time. I really appreciate you all and your questions, your comments, and your quests. Um, I do. Uh, now, when you say the Virgin Islands, that's very general, uh, DP. Uh, you would need to email me and be more specific about places and locations uh, and towns um, in the Virgin Islands that you are specifically uh, uh, looking at. And I agree, ascension goes beyond race. Ascension goes beyond ethnicity. Ascension goes beyond culture. And some of you came back uh, in this life um, of other races because you were, you know, just hateful in the ones you, you were with before. Um, or, or maybe you treated groups, other races very, you know, badly. Um, and so that has everything to do with how you manifest in this lifetime. Listen, I'm not going to be able to cover all these questions, y'all. I'm going to have to, uh, yeah, I have to eat. Yeah, I scrolled up hoodoo cultism. Um, I'm not saying it. I'm going to have to co- cover that another time. But I appreciate you all. Thank you so much for being present. I look forward to another edition of Revolutionary Hoodoo, New Orleans Voodoo Secrets and Recipes, with you here live at high noon, U.S. Central Standard Time. All is truly and indeed a blessing. Square. The Omus Indians The Omus Indians prepared this place for us Centuries before our arrival A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated The Omus Indians prepared this place for us Centuries before our arrival Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our hosts, the Omus Indians, they pushed aside our hosts. The colonizers came and pushed aside our hosts and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Les Places de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment. But nevertheless, even as slaves, We crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, 
to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de gras cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us, our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat, be, beat, being, beating, being of black heart drums, heart beat, heart beat. Heart be at this place, at this place be heart beat, be we beating place in new world space, beating being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace. Our dance is the God walk, our music the God talk. First thing we do. Let's get together, circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end, connected together. And singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be Bambula dance. Be Banza music. And sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget even when we can't remember the specifics we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy. Must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate, whip out Hello. of us. But no matter, no matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. 
Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day. A feel. A feel. Without shade. But dark. Dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now, and still, this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. Beat, Congo Square. Be. Congo Square. Beat. B. Beat. B. Beat. Congo Square. Beat. Congo Square.